0: to not just a sports report. Today it is a very special edition of my weekly NRL Power Review, looking at round nine, and this is my review podcast, so looking at all the action, talking about what's unfolded. Unfortunately, sorry, excuse me, I'd recorded probably in my opinion my best weekly preview to date, and then just some issues, some issues, and it deleted, and I tried to do it again, and then there were some more issues, It, it was... It was not good, but I'm literally about two weeks away from moving out of this place and getting a better setup, so it is going to be all G. I'm actually really excited, and I was upset that I didn't get to release the podcast, but I was really excited by how it actually turned out. I went a little bit more in-depth and covered some more bases, and yeah, I just worked on improving the podcast. So I was really happy with what was there, but unfortunately didn't get to release it so I apologize for that but that means today there is going to be a more in-depth NRL power to make up for it usually I'll power through all the actions uh, or the actions sorry but today I'll spend a little bit more time on each game and if you've listened to the podcast before you will know that usually I'll give out three I guess you'd call awards one of them not really an award at the end of the episode the x-factor player of the round the Rising Star, which is a nomination for Rookie of the Year. And I nominate a player every round. So we'll see who number nine, round number nine is, sorry. With round eight's Rising Star nomination being Dejan Arce. Uh The round eight X-Factor player was Harry Grant. And of course, my cause for concern, which in round eight were the Newcastle Knights. They were round eight's corns. Uh, corns. Sorry, butchering it a bit early. Corns. Uh... They were the cause for concern. The Newcastle Knights still yet to see them play. Right now, it is Saturday. I'm actually sitting down right now and watching the Manly Sea Eagles and the West Tigers with 15 minutes left in the first half. Still nil, all Tigers actually attacking the Sea Eagles line, but I'll get to that game a little bit later. I've got eight games to get through. We'll spend a bit more time on each of them and I've added an extra end of episode kind of handout, and I'm tossing up between two names, the Tough Stuff Award or the Jaunty Tomlin medal after my great mate who I played with alongside. Always topping the tackle count, getting through the tough stuff, not necessarily scoring the flashy tries or making the flashy plays, but always getting through the tough stuff, taking the hit-ups that no one wants to take, and, yeah, putting his head in places where it shouldn't be, on and off the field. So, yeah, the tackling, I think I'll roll with Tough Stuff, because I haven't mentioned it to Jonty yet, but yeah, basically someone who's defensively orientated and just a bit of a hard-nosed character gets about their work. So the tough stuff, we'll call it that at the end of the episode, but I figured that if there's an X-Factor player of the round, there are times where that kind of excludes middle forwards and things like that just because the halfbacks and fullbacks and stuff make the flashy plays. So this one is mainly for the big fellas. Who's getting through the work? We'll be paying attention to who's getting through their tackles and what time of the game are they making these tackles? Like, who are making the big tackles when their side really need it? So I will be paying a lot of attention to the tough stuff. So I'll get to all of those things at the end of the episode. And do remember that if you enjoy the podcast today, to follow us on Instagram at report. And also follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, and you will be able to see whenever new content drops, including the NRL Round 10 Magic Round preview. And because I missed last week's preview, I'm gonna make this next one a very big. It's gonna be a special one. Gonna take a look at all things Magic Round. The teams are gonna all be in one place. So very, very excited to get into that weekly preview. And by following not just the sports report, Not only do you support us, but you'll also be able to see when that preview drops. Just got through that, didn't I? Just got through that. Let's get to our opening game of the round on Thursday night. The Brisbane Broncos. The Broncos, fresh off last week's huge win, and they've backed it up again. They beat the Sharks last week, and now they have beaten the Rabbitohs in Sydney. I picked the Rabbitohs in my season preview now because I didn't get to release that. I'll just quickly touch on my picks. So I picked the Rabbitohs. I thought the Payne Haas and Kurt Capewell were going to be just losses that probably they couldn't overcome. Turns out they could. And I did, of course, talk a lot about Adam Reynolds going up against his old side. So now it's good to have some hindsight as to how that went. But ultimately, I went with the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I thought that they... Just they needed to get things rolling and I thought they could get it done. But the Brisbane Broncos, full credit to them. I've gone against them the last two weeks and I'm loving the competition this year. Some of the lower sides like the Cowboys and the Broncos really starting to step it up a notch. So we have seen like some of the major sides like the Storm and the Panthers are still as good as ever. Eels have beaten both those sides we now know. So you could say the Eels are going very well and it looks like in the Seagulls game that I'm watching right now just quickly first tried Ben Trebojevic that was one thing I touched on in the Seagulls game that all three Trebojevic brothers are going to be playing and out on that right center position Ben Trebojevic first try but right now I'm talking about the Broncos beating the Rabbitohs Thursday night that was a wow I was very shocked by that but really happy for the Broncos getting it done 32 to 12 so yeah their form has been scintillating at the moment and they are two from two over the Rabbitohs this year who were last year's runners up so the Broncos look they look every bit a top eight side they look top eight material this year that is the goal for them and I am really excited about the Queensland teams at the moment Titans with a bit of work to do, but the other two are killing it at the moment. And we've got the Dolphins to come next season. So, ah, uh, Rugby League, it is so good to have it back. Preseason, yeah, it's all right. Like, I was having a lot of fun, but uh, it's, it, life is better with Rugby League on the weekend. So I'm so keen to have the inclusion of the Dolphins next year. And, of course, how could I talk about this game without talking about Adam Reynolds up against his old side, scoring a try I mentioned in my preview podcast that didn't get released how just how big this signing of adam reynolds is the broncos have been lacking a proper halfback in my opinion since ben hunt and adam reynolds is a totally different player to ben hunt and he almost i think he suits that broncos mentality and og style that the broncos are known for and being just winners all around adam reynolds suits that to a t i know ben hunt is playing out of his skin right now and he was awesome at the broncos they took them to a grand final uh, unfortunate result for them but adam reynolds like with kevin walters as coach and ben eichen involved like these guys know the true dna of the broncos and a guy like adam reynolds is the perfect guy to lead this charge and lead this revolution with a lot of young quality players in the broncos and guys like tony staggs Payne Haas, who was missing, and Kurt Capewell, who was missing. And the Broncos still managing to get it done. They have the Rabbitohs' number and Adam Reynolds, player of the game. So no doubt that becomes another talking point once again for the Rabbitohs. Spotlight on Lachlan Ilias, who now, yeah, plenty of pressure on him, but the Rabbitohs have signed Cody Nicarima effective immediately. So he'll be coming over from the Warriors. He can cover the dummy half position. And look, Katie Nicarima spent some time as the Brisbane Broncos halfback. And I actually think he's good in the halves. The only thing, criticism I had, was that they didn't have a natural halfback. I felt like Nicarima and Milford both were naturally, I guess, five-eighths and run the ball. You want to see them run the ball rather than do all the organizing and kicking and things like that. So that was why that didn't quite pan out. And Nicarima's actually been at my side, the Warriors, for quite some time now. So, look... It always, the writing on the wall, it felt like he was always going to go. So this one hasn't taken me by surprise. And yeah, I'm just a big fan of Cody Nicarima's. And like, I I like the signings the Warriors have made to kind of replace him anyway. And yeah, Cody Nicarima is like the perfect man for the job. Because as I mentioned, Nicarima and Milford, very, very similar players and can offer a lot in attack. So the fact that like... The Rabbitohs had Anthony Milford at the start of this season, but he didn't play a single game for them. He was kind of like, they. Jason Demetrius said that Anthony Milford was the player that was going to start the season at halfback because he had that experience. And we all know, like, Milford actually looked really good toward the back end of last year when he did play in first grade for the Broncos. So, look, that would have been a great Masterstroke signing, but now Milford at the Knights, and I think they'll unleash him as soon as they can, which I believe is round 11, the round after magic round. So that's definitely a watch this space, but the Rabbitohs, that kind of fucked with their game plan going into the season. So now they have Cody Nikarima, who he can play number 14 and alleviate some of that pressure on the dummy half, Damian Cook, or you can throw him into halfback. and like I said, he's probably not a natural halfback, but he has come along a lot in terms of becoming a leader in his time at the Warriors. so, once the Broncos, they started to ship off a lot of experienced guys like Josh Maguire. And Cody Nicarima, he was still emerging. He had a lot of experience. But since his time at the Warriors, he's grown into a leader and someone that I can I can see playing halfback for the Rabbitohs. So that is a great signing for South Sydney. But geez, they could have used Nicarima in this game. Broncos absolutely thumping, him, uh, thumping them. Sorry, butchering English. Corey Oates, his return to form He'll be in the conversation come origin time, probably doesn't get the spot, but gee whiz, he'll be in the conversation when they sit down at the selection table, looking at that left wing position. Corey Oates' name definitely going to come up. He is playing outstanding for the Broncos. And this is what Kevin Walters and the fans and everyone wants. You need guys like Corey Oates, who in the past has been very hit or miss. You need them firing, because if you can get the hit or miss or kind of risky ones firing, then that is the key to getting a successful side going. And Corey Oates, by his own admission, hadn't been working the hardest that he could have over a number of years, and that kind of led to his dip in form. But he has taken this year really seriously. Kevin Walters building something at the Broncos has a guy like Jordan Pereira, or even a David Mead that he can easily bring in for Corey Oates if Oates isn't cutting the mustard. So that's been a really good move from Kevvy that hasn't been talked about a lot. It's kind of put a rocket under Corey Oates, and Oates, to his credit, has given a phenomenal response to start this season. So Corey Oates, at times he's wanted to play in the back row, but it looks like he's bit the bullet and he said, "I just need to work on becoming the West 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 Binger, best winger that I can." So West Binger, uh, that's a new one. And Corey Oates returning to form, as I mentioned, Adam Reynolds scoring a try, just a bit of a like, fucking you guys want didn't want to sign me long term, fine, like. You're going to have to deal with this now. I fucking score tries and I get underdog results. So Adam Reynolds, well and truly a W for Adam Reynolds and an L taken by the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Whoever whoever made that decision, and I know why they made it, because if Reynolds does get injured, it kind of backfires. But gee whiz, I mean, Reynolds is the perfect signing for the Brisbane Broncos. Big loss for the Rabbitohs. And in terms of the Broncos, Patrick Carrigan was outstanding. I mentioned at the start of this podcast that I will be giving out a Tough Stuff Award at the end of the episode. Well, in terms of this game, the guy I'm kind of looking at for who will be in the mix for the first ever Tough Stuff Award, Patrick Carrigan on return. He was major. Like I mentioned that Kurt Capwell was out, Payne Haas was out. Well, Patrick Carrigan stepped up and he filled the void. There were two young back rowers, and I feel like Kerrigan took on a lot of weight in that game on his shoulders, and he got it done, very impressed with Patrick Carrigan. And look, the game was close for a fair bit. Broncos always seemed like they had the momentum, but then all of a sudden in the last half an hour, the Bronx absolutely ran away with the game. Someone is texting me. I got a lot going on today, though, so I'm very excited. Excited about the footy too, which I'm watching right now. But yeah, last half an hour, Broncos just... They turned it on and it. they showed what they're capable of. Now it's like, okay, remember in previous seasons, that last half an hour, if it's close, that's where the Broncos have fucking crumbled. So that was a really, really big moment for me to see them in that last half an hour. They didn't just get by by the skin of their teeth. They fired, they lifted, they went to another level and showed that after playing for 50 minutes, They still had half an hour of awesome footy, their best footy of the night. So Brisbane Broncos, Kevin Walters, some of the behind the scenes stuff that we are not seeing is obviously working out because they are ironing out deficiencies that have existed in recent seasons. And as you can probably tell, now all of a sudden, I know I picked against them, but I am very excited about the Brisbane Broncos prospects. I definitely know their fans will be as well, given that they are accustomed to years and years of success before the leaner years in recent seasons. And yeah, I'm prepared to say Brisbane Broncos, absolutely top eight material. The Rabbitohs, well, Tane Milne, he scored a double, and there is competition for spots, both for the left center position and the right wing position. And look, I think Tane Milne, he put his foot forward and said, look, at the moment, I think I'm the best right winger at the very least, because Isaiah Tass playing all right, but Tane Milne, out of all the guys that are probably up for selection, Tane Milne he'll either be at left center or on the right wing next week he was probably their best player in the back line as for Selwyn Cobbo he is a star on the rise for my rising star nomination he's already been nominated he's fucking so good so he is not up for nomination this round because he's already been nominated he'll be in the mix come the end of the year for the not just a sports report rising star a lot of people texting me but that's okay that's good That's a positive, right? Sorry, next time I'll put my phone on silent. It's actually on the other side of the room, and I'm excited. I'm in the the zone, so I'll keep recording while I'm in the zone. Selwyn Cobbo killing it. Two tries, 193 run meters, and nine tackle breaks. That's the key one. That shows how good he can be. And eventually he'll transition into the fullback role, and he looks like he will be the long-term Broncos fullback. There'd been talk about that even before he was... Came anywhere near fucking NRL level. So he's coming along and showing his promise and why the media were hyping him up when he was probably like 12 years old. I don't even know. It's what the media do now. They're like, explosive 11-year-old signed to Dragon's like junior contract. You won't believe. It's like million dollars or some shit. I don't know. So I'm getting a bit off track. But look, for the Rabbitohs, are they rebuilding not a total rebuild. Like this isn't like a drop out of the top eight. They'll definitely they they were the runners up last year. But no Wayne Bennett, no Adam Reynolds, young guys like Blake Taff, Lachlan Ilias, so Damian Cook and Cody Walker a little bit older as well. I think it's now they're looking at kind of bringing some young guys through while they still have guys like Cook and Walker and obviously the young leader in Cam Murray, but. Walker and Cook, who are a huge part of that side, they've only got a few years left in the game, and very good years at that, but now it's time to bring some young guys in around them. Luttrell obviously still at the club, so definitely not a rebuild in their eyes, but no doubt they are not the same South Sydney Rabbitohs that made the grand final last year. Checking out the stat leaders now, Damian Cook getting through a ton of defensive work, 43 tackles, Tane Milne, three line breaks, Uh, What else do we have? Adam Reynolds, two try assists. He set up the one for Corey Oates. He scored one himself. Yeah, Adam Reynolds was the X Factor in this game. No doubt when it comes to selection at the end of the uh, podcast, Adam Reynolds, he is going to be in the mix for my X Factor player in the round. But there have already been a lot of potential performances and still a lot of footy to be played. But Adam Reynolds, at least as far as this game, he was the X Factor player up against the side that yeah, wow, just crazy to see him go up against South Sydney Rabbitohs in Broncos colours. Let's say 2020, who would have thought? Who would have thought? I know anything can happen in the NRL, but that—that that is loose. Too many errors from the Rabbitohs as well. They are a young team. They do have experience throughout, but a lot of young guys in that team as well, like Blake Taft, Lachlan Ilias still adjusting to first grade. So there's bound to be some errors in there, but yeah, South Sydney to definitely work on that. That was a major reason as to why they lost this game. And next up, the Broncos will be away up against Manly Seagulls, who I'll jump into their performance against the Tigers once this game actually finishes that I'm watching right now. But yeah, that'll be a good one. Broncos up against Seagulls. Like, Sharks absolutely romped the Seagulls, and Broncos beat the Sharks. And Rabbitohs beat the Seagulls, and Broncos beat the Rabbitohs. So you'd have to say... That is going to be one of the games of the round. I know that Manly have Tom Trubojevic back. They'll be at home. But Brisbane Broncos, oh, I'm I'm so keen to watch that game already. And for the Rabbitohs, they will be away in Redcliffe up against the side that I love so much, the Warriors. And that's a winnable game for the Warriors. That is actually a very winnable game for the Warriors. I know Rabbitohs will be favorites, but after what I saw from Rabbitohs in this game, I'm I'm kind of pumped about our chances. I think Warriors can beat them. Will we beat them? Uh, like, if I was a Warriors fan, I would probably say no. But I'm a Warriors fan, so look, can that can the Warriors beat the Rabbitohs, or will the Rabbitohs bounce back? Well, I'll be jumping into that on my NRL preview podcast, which is going to be a banger. It has to be. I'm sad that I didn't get to release my best work yet uh, on yeah Wednesday. So yeah damn 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 so the next one is going to be really really good and there are the two games right there that are going to be so fun to get into so i'll jump into those on the preview but next up it is time for the early friday game in canberra with the raiders taking on the bulldogs now my pick in the never to be heard of preview was the raiders i thought that they were just going to get that morale boost with jared croker back in Also an experience, excuse me, bloody hell, an experience boost and the home ground advantage as well. So look, I think that they can put the things together to make it work, the Raiders, but they are going to have to lift to another gear. That was the general sentiment that I had heading into this game. And that is what they did, getting a tight 14-4 win over the Dogs in what was a bit of a grinding contest. But look, Elliot Whitehead crossing for the first try. That set the tone nicely from the Raiders, and from the co-captain, that's exactly what they needed. A lot of young players, that they're trying to work out their best spots and how everything looks in the next five to 10 years. But Elliot Whitehead, a veteran, showing exactly why you need that experience on the park. And then an experienced kind of battler, not really a journeyman, he hasn't gone to that many clubs, but a bit of a battler, Matt Frawley, with an awesome, magical try. Uh, Put a lot of footwork on, and it was a great individual display from Matt Frawley. And with Jack Whiten and Jamal Frawley Frawley? out, Matt Frawley really stepped it up, especially given how inexperienced Brad Schneider is. Frawley, he's been there, done it before. He is a Raiders fan growing up, was a Raiders junior, then actually spent time at the Bulldogs, Went over to England or something, I believe, for a season. I can't quite remember. And then he's worked his way back into the Raiders setup. He has a significantly better half on that left side than he is when he's been deployed at the dummy half position, which is not his preferred position. So Matt Frawley crossing for the second try. Advantage, Advantage, sorry, Raiders early. And look, they didn't have their first-choice halves in, so really, really impressive the way the Raiders are managing to just stay tough and, yeah, tough it out, essentially. Now, toward the back end, we saw Josh Papali'i get hurt. I don't know if he'll probably get named next week, but maybe that's something to keep an eye on. And Jared Croker as well getting hurt. Doesn't look like we'll see him back next week. So they've got the win with the morale boost, but now no Captain Croker, and, yeah, it's... It's an interesting one. Maybe we see Semi Valame come back into the side. But they do have a lot of young players who are vying for that position. So keen to see how the Raiders put it all together. And for the uh, Bulldogs. Yo, the Bulldogs. Uh, For the Bulldogs, we have Matt Burton. He is the future. And the Bulldogs, uh, they're building around this dude. So he, long term, is the guy they're building around. Bulldogs will be a powerhouse again soon, and Matt Burton is going to be that 5'8. He will constantly be in and around the New South Wales Blues origin chat from this point on, and he is a special, special player. 11 tackle breaks and a losing side for the 5'8. And for the Raiders, it was the response that their fans wanted to see. Croker's experience, as well as Whitehead, definitely coming into play, and that morale boost just giving the side the lift that they needed in front of a home crowd to get it done. Taking a look at the stats and Jeremy Marshall King was extremely busy for his side with 45 tackles. Whilst Nick Kotrick had a much needed outing running for 225 meters. Kotrick just hasn't seemed like the same player since he left for the dogs and has come back. He has had some injuries since then but this has been Kotrick's best performance since returning to Canberra so really really much needed performance for him running for over 200 meters too so that is where nick kotrich is most effective and i expect him hopefully to continue to lift now both sides are building it's probably like a five to ten year build like it'll take five years to kind of bring all these young guys through and establish the next phase of this team but within the five ten year window that i'm kind of talking about i think both of these clubs have some really exciting young kids that are about to come through into the NRL system. Bulldogs definitely look like they're gonna turn into a powerhouse with some of their sightings. And for the Raiders, well, they have one of the best junior kind of, it's not the junior base, because a lot of them actually aren't from Canberra, but they have a hell of a lot of talented juniors, guys like Xavier Savage, James Schiller, Trey Mooney, Clay Webb. I mean, the list just goes on. So Raiders definitely with some good young stars that they can build around. And the same goes for the Dogs. So. Look, whilst 2022 and the season this year is important, still wanna get the wins, let's just remember that both teams are looking to kind of manufacture long-term sustainable success. So they can be forgiven for, I guess, one or two lean years and for the Bulldogs, probably four or five. But look, I think they are heading in the right direction. It's just gonna take them some time to get there. And up next for both sides, it is magic round. The Raiders will be taking on the Sharks, the high flying Cronulla Sharks. And look, if you remember round one, well, Canberra getting it done very, very close to the Siren. At the death, Raiders snatching it from the Sharks. Since that point, both sides have kind of gone in different directions with the Sharks going up and the Raiders going down. So now that they meet again, there's been a lot that's happened in between since round one, and it's going to be very, very interesting. To see how that clash plays out, especially given no Jack Whiten for another week. But Raiders starting to build on their confidence and Sharks looking better than they have in years. The last time they looked this good was the year they won the Premiership. So really good signs for Cronulla and for the Dogs. They will be taking on the Knights up next. So that is a very, very winnable game. The loser finds himself right in calculations for a wooden spoon spot come this year. Or come the end of this year rather. So... Look, that is an important game in both sides' seasons. Very, very winnable game for the Dogs. So they will be going out with every intention of getting the victory in Magic Round. But the Knights, look, they need to respond. They've been in poor form. And they're definitely going to present a challenge for the Bulldogs. So that is what is up next in Magic Round. But now let's get to what was up next in Round 9. And that was the biggest moment of the season so far. The Parramatta Eels bringing the Panthers' unbeaten run to an end. Panthers winning eight straight to start the season. That's not even including their wins from last year. So Panthers in unbelievable form. But the Eels getting it done 22-20 in a thriller. Look, I could see it happening when I spoke in the preview. I did say I can see the Eels winning, but after the way they performed last week, there was no way I could go and tip for them. So I tipped the Panthers I thought the Panthers would have too much, but wow, wee, the Eels getting it done. Biggest moment of the season so far. Now, heading into this game, there was so much talk about the Eels' decision, Brad Arthur in particular, last weekend to shift, actually for the last two rounds, to shift Dylan Brown into the centres and Jake Arthur to play in the halves, the son of the coach. Well, that worked well the first time, but it absolutely blew up in their face. Last weekend against the Cowboys, all week there was talk, this needs to change, this needs to change. Well, it did change, so I'm not going to dwell on it. I thought Jake Arthur, look, he's a good quality football player, but definitely the Eels are at their best when Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses are in the halves. That was the key battle given the form of Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary over the last two or three years. So Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown proving that they can stand up and take on the best halves in the competition. And look, they got the win, even though they've had plenty of injuries to their outside back stocks, Eels staying strong, and their depth being challenged, but the Parramatta side are answering the challenge. Now, Mitchell Moses wants to be a million-dollar player. He wants to be the game's next million-dollar man, and we have seen that Parramatta are not willing to pay overs or Spend too much of their cap on one player. They've already seen Reed Marnie walk out the door to the Dogs for next year. Other players like Isaiah Papali'i are already on their way out as well. So plenty of players walking out. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There were a couple more. Oregon Kafusi, one. Ray Stone. Uh, and look, Mitch Moses. I don't think he's going to get the million dollars at the Eels. So that leads me to believe that... Moses could be gone, and the Dolphins seem like the most likely destination, so that could be a definite watch this space. Mitch Moses to the Dolphins. I'm sure there are a hell of a lot of other clubs interested in him, aside like the Newcastle Knights could definitely do with him at the moment. So Mitch Moses, I think he will become a million-dollar man, But my prediction, I don't think that's going to be at the Eels. So really the Eels this year needs to be the year that they put everything together and make a premiership push because a hell of a lot of their players are walking out the door at season's end. I know they made a premiership pact. And look, at the moment, that's the biggest thing you can do for the pact. You beat the Melbourne Storm earlier this season. You beat the Penrith Panthers. Well, all of a sudden this pact looks pretty decent. We of course remember last year as well, the game between the Eels and the Panthers during the final series. That was one of the games of the year. Panthers only just getting it done. Eels returning the favor here and look, they absolutely showed, sorry if you can hear drills and shit, there's all sorts of construction going on. Uh, But yeah, like, sorry, just back to what I was saying. Um, The Eels can get it done. We've seen it. I can envision them winning the premiership this year. I've said it a few times. And they've proven that they can get the wins over the two biggest threats for the title, Penrith Panthers and Melbourne Storm. Have anyone, has anyone else had a win over either of those sides this year? I'm pretty sure the Storm have only lost once. They may have lost twice, but from memory, Storm only lost once, Panthers only lost once, both of those losses to the Parramatta Eels. So we definitely need to note that down. And whilst I had a premiership vision earlier this year, I thought that Definitely the Eels, despite all these perceptions of the club and stigmas of this absolute failure to, you know, get back to the best, which they've been trying to do for decades now. But Eels, I can absolutely see them getting it done. Their problem is rocks and diamonds. They show up with diamonds against a Storm or a Panthers, and then they come and present some rocks against the Cowboys or against another team like the Tigers so Eels still with a lot to work on but considering their injury crisis very very impressed with that win and a massive statement made from the Eels boys what they need to do now is go on with it it is a full season plus a final series so they've won the battle but the war most definitely still going and the Parramatta Eels they're gonna have to go to another gear because we've seen in the regular seasons they have great starts but They can't seem to put it together over the course of an entire season. So that is definitely going to be the case here. And for the Panthers, well, you cannot fault Penrith. I mean, one loss in their last 10 this season. or in their last, like, 9, but even in their last 10 or 11. Like, the Panthers have been on a roll for such a long time. They were bound to cop a loss at some point. And, look, they've done incredibly well not to lose up until this point. So... Nothing really negative in terms of Penrith's performance here. They also had Moses Leota on return from injury and Brian To'o making his first game back since getting injured as well. So a couple of players just trying to get back to full fitness and the To'o return actually saw Charlie Staines drop out. So look, he's been decent this year but hasn't done enough to hold his spot up against Taylor May who is... Just killing it. I mean, he and Isaac Tago right now are leading the race for the not-just-a-sports-report 2022 Rising Star. Just incredible what they've been able to do. And yeah, Talon May looking very, very good. Scoring a double in this game as well, so the tries just keep on coming. And for Charlie Staines, just like he was last year... He seems like he's going to be the odd man out of this back five. So for Staines, he's going to have to go away and work really hard to get back into this team. I do think we will see him return. I mean, for instance, I think if Dylan Edwards goes down, then we'll see Charlie Staines play his natural position of fullback. But maybe this is just a good opportunity for him to drop down to New, Thou- New South New South Wales Cup level and play some fullback and get himself prepared. And if he comes back into the NRL setup. He'll know what he's doing regardless of which position he plays. So, Charlie Staines out, Taylor May chosen over Staines and scoring a double to really solidify his place within the side. Having a look at the stats, RP Coruscant extremely busy with 58 tackles, whilst on the other side, the dummy half for the Eels, Reed Marney with 49 tackles. So, both hookers getting through plenty of work defensively. In terms of running meters, Brian Toto, coming back, hasn't lost a step. 266 run meters for Brian Toto. Whilst for the Parramatta Eagles, Junior Paulo was sensational, running for 207 meters in what was hugely, hugely important to getting them the win. I mean, this was a game that was just decided by a matter of two points. So Junior Paulo doing everything he could to get his side on the front foot. That is what a co-captain does for their side. And Isaiah Papali'i, could not be contained, up against the best defensive side in the competition over the last three years, well Isaiah Papali'i, he made him look silly, nine tackle breaks, they just could not seem to get Papali'i down on this occasion, and look, Isaiah Papali'i, he is West Tigers band next year, as is the dummy half for Penrith in RP Coruscant, so some really quality players there making their way over to the Tigers next year. Something for fans at the Concord Club to get very, very pumped about. As for what's up next for these clubs, Panthers will be taking on the Storm. That is going to be a finals-like atmosphere in what should be the game of the regular season so far. Probably the whole season because all eyes are going to be there. Fans from every club are going to be in Brisbane for Magic Round and that is like the main event. That is your main event of the evening. That is the one everyone's going to be talking about and watching. And, yes, yeah, Storm vs. Panthers, I'm in. I'm going to jump into that in my preview podcast, but that is one hell of a clash to have for Magic Round. As for the Eels, another good game for Magic Round. Eels play the Roosters, two sides who are up at that top level of the competition, but still not quite putting the pieces together to get onto the same level as a Panthers Or a storm so for the eels they want to bank up or back up rather than bank up their last win over the panthers that huge win they'll want to come out now and beat the roosters and solidify themselves as premiership contenders so some big games coming up in magic round but now it is time to jump onto the super saturday action Kicking off our Saturday action, we had the Manly Seagulls who would have been licking their lips. mm mm our opponents this weekend, this past weekend. Mm, sitting outside the top eight. Seagulls, that's their vibe at the moment. 36 to the Tigers, 22. Look, I picked Manly for that reason. Yeah, like, more to report on once they actually play a top eight side. This seems to be Manly's MO at the moment. They beat sides like the Tigers, but the real question's haven't been answered. So the flat-track bullies tag still definitely remains. Look, they'll shake that at some point this year. Des Hasler as well, I'm sure, doesn't mind that his side are flying under the radar. But, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say. Great win for the Seagulls, but, like, call me when they beat a top-eight side, pretty much. That's where things are at at this stage of the season. One awesome note for the Seagulls, not only the return of last year's Delhi M winner Tom Dravojevic, not only Jake Trebovich holding it down in the middle, as he always does, there's a third one. Oh, gee whiz. Coaches of the opposition teams would be like, fuck me, how many of these fucking Treboviches are there? Well, there's four. I don't know if the other one is, uh, like, yeah, I don't know if the other one's going to be playing NRL, uh, which, yeah, I guess that'll help coaches sleep at night. But, yeah, I'd hate to be coaching up against the Seagulls and be like, are you fucking kidding me? There's a third Trebovich now? Third so all three t- Turbo brothers, or Gerbo, or Burbo, fucking whatever. All three. Pretty cool moment. Pretty cool moment for the Seagulls. As for West Tigers, I think they're bottoming out. I mentioned before they've got some great signings coming next year. Api Korosau, Isaiah Papali'i, just to name a couple. And look, I think this is them truly bottoming out. They'll just probably float around that bottom four for the rest of the season. And then next year, I really do have faith that the Tigers can turn things around. As for this year, uh, look, it's a work in progress. They've got some moving parts. We saw about two minutes into this game, Ken Malmalo going off injured. Tyrone Peachy stepped into the centres, played the whole game there, and there's still that debate. Where do you play Tyrone Peachy? I've always liked him as a number 13, a ball-playing lock. He can play in the back row, though, in the centers, in the halves. He can play basically anywhere, so it's about picking where and Peachy best fits this West Tigers team. And they did sign him, like, they signed him this year, so may as well use him, right? Now, as for the Seagulls, as I mentioned, more talking points when they come up against the top eight side. And for Tigers, well, Jackson Hastings, what a redemption. I know he didn't get the win here, but... Jackson Hastings, everything that went down with the Seagulls, yeah, like, obviously that's in the past now, but if anything, it just shows you how much hard work Jackson Hastings has done. And he went over to the Super League, won a Man of Steel with Sulfid, which is equivalent to winning the Dele with the West Tigers, like Sulfid and the Tigers. There's a lot of parallels there with where the Tigers are at now and Sulfid where they were at as a Super League club. Neither side even considered in the conversation to be their grand final day well jackson hastings he helped to turn the salford city red devils around that season and as i said a lot of parallels between his work at salford and his work at the tigers so that would be the ultimate redemption jackson hastings having redeemed himself now next step redeem this club which honestly at times is a basket case so congratulations to jackson hastings Don't know why he isn't one of the five captains, but today is not the day to get into that. Now, looking at some of the stats, Ben Trubojevic in the centres scoring a double, as did Ruben Garrick, so plenty of players hitting the score sheet for the Manly Seagulls. For the Tigers, Joe Ofangawi, extremely busy with 39 tackles. Tom Trubojevic back to his best on return, 230 running metres. And two line breaks for his younger brother, Ben Trubojevic, had an outstanding game. Garrick and Bullimore, Ethan Bullimore, both coming up with 12 tackle breaks. So that's really not good enough for the Tigers. That still shows you that they do have a bit of a soft underbelly that they need to work on. 24 tackle breaks between just Reuben Garrick and Ethan Bullimore tells me that the Tigers definitely still have some work to do. Josh Alloyer, the former Tiger, left in Kind of, I don't know, I don't know the exact word. He burnt a couple of bridges on his way out from the Tigers, but he was outstanding for the Manly Seagulls, showed up and played a very quality game on return against his former side. Looking at what is up next for these sides, Seagulls and the Broncos in Brisbane for Magic Round. That should be one hell of a game. And for the Tigers, they are gonna be playing the Cowboys who maybe heading into the season, the Tigers would have looked at the draw and said, oh, that's a great one to get on Magic Round. Now, maybe not so much. You've got the Cowboys in their home state of Queensland. They are gonna have the crowd support. They have form on their side. They're a top four side. So all of a sudden, a really tricky Magic Round fixture for the Tigers. And just quickly, look, Luke Brooks having a pretty poor game. I'm not here to rag on him. The media do a fine job of doing that themselves. But Luke Brooks, poor in this one. I still think it's time for him to move on. He could do so much better at another club. Like, I think the Tigers and Luke Brooks should just go their separate ways. Kelma Tui Lange, who is its second rower for the Tigers, he is off to the Seagulls next year, but. He was quite poor today up against Manly, so I think Dez Hasler, he's going to have to work some of his magic and really bring out the best potential in Kelma, Tuilangi. And yeah, West, unfortunately for them, not clicking. For the Seagulls, well, they are clicking, but how, how are they going to go against the top eight side? That's basically what we want to know. So I'll talk more about those two sides in my weekly preview. But now it's time for me to quickly jump into the second Saturday game and that was the Roosters getting it done 44 to 16 over the Titans in Mackay. I picked the Roosters and yeah, mainly because I have huge huge worries about the Titans defensively. All year they've shown defensive lapses and this game was definitely no different. 44 to 16 tells you everything you need to know about the Gold Coast's woeful defense in 2022 their attack yeah they can score tries we all know they can score tries and do flashy plays but right now their defense and lack of experience majorly letting them down you want to talk about experience though you may have missed this one karen foreign has signed a two-year deal with the gold coast titans from 2023 onwards so the experience that they're lacking in the halves well that is a phenomenal 10 out of 10 signing i know foreign's had troubles with his body and with injuries. But look, they've still got great young halves down there at the Titans. They just need someone like a Karen Foran, especially if he can keep himself on the park. And that that's a massive signing for the Gold Coast. So Karen Foran off to the Titans next year. And for the Titans, at the moment, they, they were talking, they had this rebrand, new logo, new colors, everything. They were saying in the next 10 years, I believe they wanted two premierships or something like that. They really have set out to become one of the glamour clubs of the competition. Well, they're not even the glamour club of Queensland. In fact, they're the worst Queensland side right now. The Brisbane Broncos improving rapidly. They've overtaken the Titans. And the North Queensland Cowboys killing it. They've overtaken the Titans. So the Titans only last year with such a bright, emerging young team that everyone was so excited for. But right now, they've been overtaken by the other two Queensland sides. So that is definitely concerning for the Titans. For the roosters they are starting to gel in the season pre or the weekly preview that i didn't get to release i spoke about that being an issue how the left center spot still up for grabs and roosters just trying to work on their combinations and gel again considering how different the side looked last year with the injuries the losses of jake friend boyd cordner now you've got the morris twins gone there's a lot of experience and changes in this team to deal with so I think the Roosters ultimately towards finals they'll be clicking but good to see them start to get everything together in this game. James Tedesco priming himself for origin where he is destined to be the fullback and captain for the Blues and Tedesco going about his work very quietly getting a hell of a lot of do- uh, a hell of a lot done, sorry, whilst other fullbacks doing a few more flashy plays getting a lot of talk about them, but Tedesco definitely going about his work. He is not going to lose that Origin number one jersey. And for the Roosters, a couple of young players who this talk they're going to get released immediately. We have Ronald Volkman, very, very talented young half. I believe he's from New Zealand and he's yet to make his NRL debut, but he is going to the Warriors next year. He signed with my team, the Warriors for 2023. Well, now there is talk Roosters weighing up the option of releasing Volkman immediately, as well as Freddy Lussick, the young dummy half, who we saw loaned out to the Dragons at the end of last year. Well, Freddy Lussick, supposedly, he may very very well be on his way to the Warriors as well. So, truly interesting now. I'm, I'm hoping the Warriors can get them over. Could do with a couple of great young emerging players this year. So Volkman Lussick may not be at the Roosters for too much longer. Another player who left the Roosters, Isaac Liu, long-standing veteran of the club well now he's at the Gold Coast Titans his first outing against his former side I'm sure there, there was an interest it would have been an interesting one going up against a side that he knows and loves the only side he's really known throughout his entire NRL career so Isaac Leary unfortunately Titans not getting things done like the Roosters do and look their spine I guess is to blame for that they still need a dummy half Aaron Clark is good, but comparatively to some of the other dummy halves in the competition, the Titans are left lacking in that regard. You've got the inexperienced halves. Will Smith is the experienced one, but he's not the first choice. He's just come in whilst Brimson's moved to fullback. You've got Brimson and Sexton who are still very much learning their craft. Will Smith is quality, but the, just then where does Jaden Campbell fit in? Where does Jermaine Ozarko fit in? The whole spine of the Titans right now, it's not filling me with a great deal of confidence. I don't exactly know what their best 17 looks like. And that's not even to mention David Fafita, who was injured. I mean, what's his best position? How are the Titans going to best utilize him? Well, I'd like to see him stay on an edge and next year link him up with Kieran Foran. If you want someone... Who's going to know how to put David Fafita into the right spaces, give him the ball at the right times? Well, Karen Foran, you couldn't ask for a more perfect signing to help bring the best out of David Fafita. So at the moment, I'd look at trying to keep David Fafita on the edge and just hold out until Karen Foran arrives at the club. I think that could be a combination that really, really tears the competition apart. Looking at the stats, 43 tackles for Nat Butcher, getting through his work for the Roosters. Tedesco with 226 meters. It just continues to run well over 200 meters every single week. Also scored a hat trick. Let's not forget, Tedesco, three tries. He says, remember me? Do You guys remember me? No, you guys are talking about Pappenhausen, Pappenhausen and uh, who else? We got Nico Hines and all these other guys. Do you forget about me? I'm the captain. Here's fucking three tries. Just remember, like, I'm the New South Wales origin captain. I've won premierships. of have won, scored, like, series winning tries, uh, in case you guys forgot. So James Tedesco, a timely reminder, 226 metres, three tries, two line breaks, and ten tackle breaks. So definitely don't forget about big old James Tedesco when it comes to origin time. Out on that right wing for the Sydney Roosters, Joseph Suwali, very hyped young star, scoring a double. Whilst Luke Carey getting back to his best, three try assists. He always performs well against the Titans, who rejected him when he was a youngster coming through the grades. They said, "Nah, you're probably yeah, not not our thing. Probably too small, and don't think you'll make NRL." So Titans were like, "Nah, we'll pass on you, Luke Carey." How's that gone for them? Not that well. How's Luke Carey gone? Fucking three premierships from memory three premierships i think he's played origin as well and yeah titans Kerry has three more premierships than the gold coast titans in that time so maybe they should have uh considered keeping this young kid luke Kerry but no doubt he was fired up as he always is just to keep showing the titans like hey just a reminder i know it's been a few years and i do this every year but it's me again fucking why'd you pass on me i'm a three-time premiership winner so Titans will be kicking themselves. Although, I think Kerry would he have been the same player at the Titans around the same time as he was at the Rabbitohs and then the Roosters? I think probably not. So, lucky for Luke Carey that he ended up going to greener pastures, at least when it comes to the last decade. Looking at the Titans, as I always say, defense so concerning. 10 missed tackles between the Titans halves. That opens your whole defensive wall right up when your halves are just opening it up like that so yeah 10 missed tackles absolutely not good enough for the titans halves whilst the centers had nine combined misses as well so on those edges they were just getting torn apart titans have a lot of work to do a hell of a lot of work to do considering they've played finals the last two years now it looks like they're regressing instead of going to that next level it looks like they've actually dropped Down a level. So one step forward, two step backwards at the moment for the Titans. A lot of missed tackles, really far too much. They are going to have to get it together because next week they don't have much time to get themselves ready for a dragon side that are going to be fired up after their big loss to the Storm. And for the Roosters, they'll be playing the Eels. Roosters now starting to click into gear. They are going to want to start to string some wins together and they'll be taking on the Giant Killers, the Parramatta Eels. Only side to have beaten the Storm and the Panthers. I mean, Para really showing their intentions. They've beaten Eels. Oh, they are the Eels. Fucking hell. They've beaten the Panthers. They've beaten the Storm. And you'd have to say the Elite Three going into this season, although the way things have played out early kind of haven't reflected that. But the Roosters, they were the third team in that little holy trinity setup of the Elite Three. It was the Panthers, the Storm... And the Roosters, and although the Roosters haven't been on Penrith or Melbourne's level yet, well, if the Eels beat the Roosters, then fucking give them the keys, open up that door. I'm prepared to call this an Elite Four. I know there are still a lot of criticisms over the Eels, but Panthers, Storm. Who else do you want them to beat? Well, I guess they should probably beat the Roosters, and if they do, well, I... Holy shit, that's the thing with the Eels, though. They could very well beat the Roosters and then turn up the next week and lose to the Bulldogs. So you just don't know with the Eels, but that is going to be a cracking game during Magic Round. But let's first now get to the Saturday night game. The Cowboys in Townsville retaining their spot in that top four. Who would have thought? Exceeding all expectations, it is time to believe in the Cowboys. Getting it done with a huge win. Over the Knights, Knights continuing to struggle. They were my round eight cause for concern. Hugely concerned about them, their depth, and what kind of team they're trying to build around their marquee man, Callum Ponga. And yeah, Knights, they just weren't up for it. The human conditions didn't help them either. But Cowboys, they were my pick for this game. But gee whiz, going into the season, they weren't my pick for anything. Todd Payton, what you want in a coach is to grab these young blokes and turn them into quality first graders, and that is what Todd Payton does. He did it in his first kind of stint with the Warriors, and now coming over to the Cowboys, it's taken him a year to kind of identify what he wants to do, and now he's doing it. You think of a guy like Murray Taolungi. He was barely a first grader, had barely been sighted in first grade. When he had, he'd done next to nothing under Paul Green, whereas Todd Payton has brought him up, and that's just one great example of how Todd Payton's taken... This side where it's like, oh, geez, pretty thin on outside backs. And it's like, well, no, we've got Murray Langi He's actually pretty fucking good. He just hasn't developed properly. Todd Payton throws him in. Now look at Murray Langi He is an absolute superstar of the competition. Todd Payton, such a great coach. An underrated spine as well of Drinkwater, Dearden, Robson, and Townsend. The, the Cowboys, it's time to believe. I said it last week. It is well and truly time to believe in the Cowboys and what they can do this season, not so much the Knights. I am very much not believing in the nice, nast, nast, last placed Knights. Their halves changed for this game. Tex Hoy, 5'8, and he was impressive. Phoenix Crossland, halfback. Uh, yeah, is that a watch this space? I still haven't seen a lot from him, but it does take time for young halves to develop. It. I think as soon as it's round 11 and they are able to. Anthony Milford comes straight into the halves. That's what I think happens. They've got to wait until round 11, so maybe we see Clifford and Hoy in the halves. I really don't know what they're going to go for the next game, but Anthony Milford, watch this space. I absolutely think Knights are going to pull the trigger as soon as they can for Milford in the halves. And look, Jeremiah Nanai, when I was talking about these young players that Todd Payton has got his hands on and done an awesome job with, well, Jeremiah Nanai is playing so well to the point where... He could definitely be an origin smokey. He's at least got to be in the squad and on form. I mean, if David Fafita or Jeremiah Nani, who are you taking? I'd have to say Nani if it comes to that edge forward position. I know there are guys like Kafusi and Capewell who are going to start ahead of Nani, But I mean, if there's a bench spot available, do you take David Fafita or do you take someone like Jeremiah Nani? A lot of questions that will be answered when origin time rolls around, but Todd Payton is doing what Paul Green couldn't do, and he's taking this side to the next era. He's bringing through these young kids rather than holding on to some established stars for too long. And that bit the Cowboys in the ass. They lost guys like Villiamir Kickow, Callum Ponga, Brandon Smith, and that is just naming the first three that come to mind. So, look, Todd Payton, he is absolutely the right man for the Cowboys. I am a huge fan of him when it comes to coaching and the future looks very bright for North Queensland. Checking out the stats. Reese Robson, 51 tackles. Very, very busy, as I like to say. 181 run metres for David Klemmer, who was doing everything in his power to try and get his side in the game. But unfortunately, Knights couldn't do a whole of a lot. A whole hell of a lot, I guess is what I was trying to say. A lot of butchery. Um, but David Klemmer, 181 metres. Doesn't count for a lot when your team aren't doing much off the back of that. For Kyle Felt, responded with a hat-trick last week and he's followed it up with two line breaks and another try. This round, Chad Townsend, signing of the season, definitely up there, four try assists. That is what you want in a halfback. That's unreal. That is a very, very quality effort. Chad Townsend, four try assists. That is not to be understated. The Chad... He's playing like the Chad again. Last couple of years, uh, I I don't know, maybe injuries. I don't know exactly what was going on, but the Chad is back, and it is very exciting. As for the Knights, what is not exciting? Phoenix Crossland four missed tackles. Chris Randall, five missed tackles. And, yeah, these are the first-choice players right now. So that really, really leads me to believe Knights are in some trouble if they get a couple more injuries because the depth below isn't filling me with a great deal of confidence especially given that their new south wales cup side has been one of the worst sides a worse is a bit harsh but one of the lower sides this competition so they don't exactly have blokes screaming pick me pick me let me step up so knights sitting last doesn't look like they're going to get themselves that much off the bottom of the ladder anytime soon either the mitchell pierce loss much bigger than we first thought they, they just can't seem to string it together without a halfback like Mitch Pearce. And, of course, Connor Watson left. They did offer to keep him, and he he left to the Roosters. His best mates are at the Knights, and he felt, I'm going to go to the Roosters so I can win a Premiership. What does that tell you? That tells you that Connor Watson, being in the inside of the club, he had identified, like, um, I'm not going to be in Premiership contention next couple of years. Like, this isn't it. He identified Newcastle wasn't the place to be, if he wanted to be successful. So that is a bit of a glaring issue. Knights, players don't see their future there. Mitch Pearce, he's like, I want to go to France. That sounds way better. Um, And Connor Watson's like, I want to go to the Roosters. I want to actually win. So look, Callum Ponga at the club, but yeah, you've actually got to get a winning culture because Callum Ponga can't do it on his own. And guys aren't going to come to the club if it's got this culture and is perceived as a losing club. So... It is a bad situation for the Knights. It could have been made worse by Kellen Ponga leaving, but he is staying and there is time to build. But as far as this season goes, Knights, they wanted to be a top eight side and they are a far cry from that right now. Four errors for Inari Tuala, who is a former cowboy. Three errors for Phoenix Crossland to go with his four missed tackles. Ah, yeah, just a bit of a catastrophe, honestly. I'm not sure where the Knights go from here. What I do know is that the Knights will be playing the Bulldogs in what should be a very, very good match. The winner? Well, some confidence. And for the losers, well, then all of a sudden, wooden spoon is what you're trying to avoid. And you're heading to the season still early as well with top eight dreams, finals dreams. You want to lift that premiership. Well, the loser of the Knights and Dogs, they're going to have to start thinking about... How do we get off the bottom of the ladder? So that's going to be a big Magic Round game. And the Cowboys will be hosting the Tigers. That's going to be fun as well. The Suncorp crowd, no doubt going to be behind the Cowboys. And that should be another close match. Really happy with how they've fixtured the Magic Round. I think all the all the games are going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I'm going to have to fucking... Sorry, anyone who wants to hang out with me this weekend, I am not available And if they ask what I'm doing, I'm just gonna say it's a magic show. I'm going to see some magic from Thursday to Sunday. And I'll be like, I didn't know you were into magic. I thought you'd just watch NRL and shit. And I'll just say magic. Sorry, that was poor. I don't know exactly where I was going with that. So let's just quickly segue on to the Sunday action. Melbourne Storm 42 up against the Dragon 6. Nobody able to compete with the Storm. Nobody, I mean, looking at the draw, if I am playing for another team right now, I'm fucking running home, getting on NRL.com, and I'm like, fuck, who do we play next week? Like, please, not the Storm. When do we play the Storm? Like, I need to, like, I don't know, if can get sick, get COVID or some shit around that time, maybe a couple of weeks before, do a swinging arm high tackle and be like, oh, shit, I gotta go to the judiciary. What? I'm gonna miss the Storm game? Oh, no. So yeah, no one wants to play the Storm at the moment, 42-6 over the Dragons, who held in there for quite a while, but I mean, Storm's class, just coming to the surface, nobody wants to compete with them, I tell you who does, the Penrith Panthers, oh, that is going to be the game of the season next weekend, and look, I could talk about that all day, but I'm going to jump into a huge NRL preview podcast through the week, really touch on every game, what's important, all the narratives, all the changes, everything like that. So I'll save the preview for that game, but Storm Panther's coming up next. They will be without Ryan Pappenhausen, who went down with a hamstring injury, but luckily it's early in the season, so this actually gives him some time to go away, get his body right, and come back at full fitness without any niggling injuries. That'll see Nick Meaney step into the fullback role, which he's a natural fullback. And, look, we all know this is a Melbourne storm. Watch Nick Meaney fucking absolutely kill it and play like we've never seen him play at the Dogs or anywhere else, because the storm, like, Nick Meaney is so, so talented. So all it takes is you go from a struggling club to a great club where they've got the right systems and it just allows you to flourish. That's exactly what I expect Nick Meaney to do when handed the keys to the fullback jersey. Harry Grant, last weekend's X Factor player of the round, an equally as good performance this week. He is just untouchable. Going to be in the conversation for the Australian Kangaroos World Cup number nine jersey, and you'd have to say he has his nose in front when it comes to the Queensland Maroons origin jersey. So Harry Grant once again killing it. I mean, we thought, hey, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, oh, Storm are going to be fucked when they leave. It's not like they're going to have a Ryan Pappenhausen or a Jerome Hughes or a Harry Grant and... Oh, what if Harry Grant gets injured? Oh, they'll just throw Brandon Smith in there. Insanity. Insanity. I'm prepared to say, okay, I don't think the Storm are ever slowing down. Like, every year we head in, it's like, this is going to be the year with the Storm crumble. Like, now we just don't head into years saying, oh, this is going to be the year. You know, it's like, Cam Smith's gone. Okay, well, they've got two awesome dummy halves. Smith's leaving. Oh, well, looks like Harry Grant will just carry them for the next decade then. So, Melvin Storm just... Unbelievable what they've done with the side and how they had this super team and then they rebuilt and didn't didn't drop out of the eight throughout the whole rebuild. And now they got another super team with some super halves, Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster, one of the best players across the whole round. I'm, I'm just in awe of the Storm and it looks like Panthers Storm, early favorite for the grand final, but still a lot of footy to be played up until then. We saw Tyron Wishart. He was pretty pretty good. Comes off usually in the dummy half roll. Can play in the halves. Spent a bit of time at fullback in this game as well. So Tyron Wishart, he is a great example of Melbourne Storm's underrated depth using the Brisbane Tigers and the Sunshine Coast Falcons as great feeder clubs that have produced guys like Chris Lewis who clubs aren't rushing to sign Chris Lewis but watch him every week. He gets his job done for the Storm at probably a very cheap price as well. And they've just got a great depth situation. And a lot of players who are still yet to step up, like Bronson Garlick, who, they're more than ready for NRL level. So Melbourne Storm got a great setup there. Chris Lewis, Mr. Fix-It. You've got Big Nelson, sofa Solomona, playing as good as ever, covering for that huge loss of Christian Welsh. And look, Big Nass, we don't know. I think he's signed with a Japanese rugby club. For next season so I actually don't know if he, he returns after that maybe he does maybe he doesn't I think I, I don't know what his vaccination status is I don't really care to be honest but I'm pretty sure that that was still kind of up in the air when he signed this Japanese rugby deal so maybe that was like a an insurance policy like I'll go over to Japan and if this doesn't cool over then I'll just stay in Japan but maybe since the COVID rules have chilled out a bit Nelson will come back to the Storm after that rugby stint, but he may very well not. So that is going to leave a big hole in the Storm's forward pack next year if they lose Big Nelson, also the Bromwich brothers and Felice Kafusi, as well as Brandon Smith. But yeah, Storm, I'm still not prepared to say they're going to fall apart. They've still got everything there they need to make this a successful club. And it's going to be the last hurrah for an end of an era. Guys like Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, Felice Kafusi, Been at the club for so long now. And this is the last hurrah. This is the last time they can all win a Premiership together. And three of the players going to the Dolphins. A new team. Franchises don't usually immediately take off in the NRL. I mean, see the Gold Coast Titans. So this could be those three. The last chance for them to win a Premiership as well. So a bit of a last hurrah. Situation at the Storm. Nick Meaney going to step into fullback and that will open up a position on the wing. Dean Aramia has already shown that he has been preferred there at times this year. But I actually think, here's my hot tip, if you're playing Super Coach Draft or anything like that, Will Warbrick, young winger, New Zealand Rugby Sevens winger, signed with the Storm at the start of this year and he has been killing it for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. His performances indicate to me that he is about to get called up. So do not be surprised if we see Will Warbrick get named in the wing jersey for the Storms game against the Panthers, although it is a really big ask to make an NRL debut up against the Panthers, so maybe they will go with Eremia. Looking through the Storm team as well, Josh King continues to impress. I mean, what a signing. They obviously saw that this was ca- he was capable of this and they signed him, but Josh King, what a... Different player. What a transformation from the Josh King we saw at the Knights. Maybe they were just underutilizing him. I don't know exactly what the go was there, but he is thriving in Storm colours, as so many big men have before. When being unheralded signings is just a big old uh, think. Brian Norrie, who the hell's Brian Norrie, and then he ends up being one of the all-time great Storm forwards. You know, so Craig Bellamy just has such a knack at the Melbourne Storm for getting the best out of players. But the players have to want to apply themselves as well and work hard. We've seen situations where guys like, I guess, Sam Cassiano hasn't quite been able to meet the standard of the Storm. So this isn't just Craig Bellamy and the system of the Storm. This is also a credit to how hard these players are working. And yeah, they're making it happen. Guys like Josh King exceeding at the moment. And for the Dragons falling apart late, I'm still not sure what the go is with their team. Working out where their young X Factor fits in. Guys like Talatau Amone, who started in the halves. Jaden Sullivan, who was off the bench. Been playing dummy half, but prefers to be in the halves. And Tyrell Sloan, who started the season in the fullback jersey, has since been demoted to New South Wales Cup. You've got Jack Bird moved to the back row. Dragons, I don't know. I don't know what their best team looks like, and there are a lot of moving parts, but... They they should probably figure it out quick, because you wanna just have you wanna have some kind of base level. And it looks like Telatao Amone out of the three is the first preference to be getting NRL time. But all three of them I am hugely excited about, so that's why I've been surprised to not see as much of them. But obviously Anthony Griffin opting for experience rather than X Factor at this stage of the season. Let's not forget as well Tarek Sims from the Dragons playing the Storm this weekend. Well, next year he is going to be in Storm colors. He's going to help offset the loss of all those experienced Fords in the Melbourne system. And I cannot wait to see how Tarek Sims goes at the Storm. Looking at the stats, Ryan Pappenhausen scoring two tries, 12 points all up. Nick Meaney scoring 14 points. Harry Grant just killing it, not just on the ball but off the ball with 38 tackles. Cameron Munster, just like he is every week, absolute 10 out of 10, 183 run meters, three line breaks, and a try for Big Money monster Nelson a sofa Solomona, eight tackle breaks. So, yeah, I mean, that's a fair one. I'm not going to hang shit on, like, oh, what, you couldn't tackle Nelson? Like, big, big unit. But that just shows, you know... One tackle break, he breaks one tackle, turn around, offload, storm it uh, off with the races. So you really got to be careful of those ones. And Harry Grant with two try assists, he just, he's so next level. I've been watching him for a while because I support the Sunshine Coast Falcons in the Queensland Cup. So he obviously spent two or three years playing for the Falcons before he actually stepped up and went on loan to the Tigers. So I've been watching Harry Grant for a while now and this kid is fucking so good he proved it again with his two try assists looking at some of the more negative stats jack bird 10 missed tackles on that edge gotta find a place for jack bird you keep moving him around and he did pretty poorly on the edge ben hunt who last week i was talking about what a great captain he is my sentiment on that hasn't changed but nine missed tackles not good enough storm just exploiting the dragons Going to that left side because Jack Bird and Ben Hunt on the same side, on that right side. And yeah, the storm just made him look silly attacking that side. Moses by three errors and four missed tackles. Where's his best position as well? Is he a fullback? Is he a half? Is he a dummy half? A center, a number 14. All I know is that three errors, three errors and I can't speak English. And four missed tackles is not what you want from one of your senior players. So... All three of those guys that I just listed with some pretty poor stats throughout the game, all leaders, all senior players, so that's not what you want to see from the Dragons, but we can't be reading into these Storm beltings too much, because now Melbourne, it is a reflection on just how good the Storm are, and they're going to need to be good, because up next they are taking on the Penrith Panthers, the reigning premiers, and for the Dragons, they'll be taking on the Titans. Both sides desperate for a win in that one, so... Very keen to jump into that, but firstly let's jump into the last game of the round. I could almost stop the podcast here given my excitement as a warriors fan when the sharks will Kennedy was sinbinned. I was like, ah oh, sweet. I mean that it's just surely, surely we win this. We have an extra man. It would be heinous if we didn't. Well, we didn't and it's time uh, for me to jump in to the sharks annihilation of a very, very poor Warriors side. Sharks getting it done 29 to 10, with a a man down, like just not good enough in any respect from the Warriors. Nico Hines scoring the first try, then the Warriors bounce back with a couple before just completely capitulating, four straight tries, let in, against a 12 team fucking Cronulla Sharks, a 12 person Cronulla Sharks, I am hugely unimpressed with the Warriors, like I've tried to give them every chance and again, just disappointing. They had a one-man advantage virtually all game. Not only could they not do anything with it, but they actually got dismantled. So that speaks volumes about the Sharks team, and it also tells you that the Warriors, like, that that is really like I'm actually a bit lost for words. How do you lose to fucking 12 men? And not just lose but get beaten and beaten well so just like every year the warriors missing the mark and it, look the away from home for three years definitely a scenario and a contributing factor but the cold truth is that the warriors are a club synonymous with mediocrity that looks destined to stay the same i mean that was as mediocre as it gets this whole season has been largely mediocre outside of a couple of the wins and look i support All the boys, I'm not gonna talk shit about anyone individually or the coach or anything like that, but how do you lose to a 12-man side? Like, how do you lose to 12 men in the modern game? It's pretty much impossible. I mean, it's possible, they proved that, but you should not be losing when you have a one-man advantage, an extra man on the field. So, Warriors, yeah, I'm keeping the faith, but just like every year, uh, being let down, disappointed, Now I know how it feels to be my friend, family, or significant other. Sorry, couldn't help myself. But yeah, the worry is, when I die, they'll definitely be at my funeral to let me down just one last time. That's fucking sucks. I was so excited. I thought 12 men, like we're probably not going to beat the Sharks, but now we are, because they only got 12 men and we still lost. So very, very disappointing for Cronulla. They are in the mix for a top four finish this year. And I've split the season into three thirds, so round one up until magic round, magic round through the origin period, and then the end of the origin period until the end of the regular season. And it has to be said, Granola looking like one of the best sides in this first third of the competition. Now the challenge is gonna to be to maintain that over origin, which they should be able to do given that so many of their players don't play origin. A lot of commotion going on in the background. I will be back in a second to continue this, oh my god. All right, back to quickly wrap this last game. The Craig Fitzgibbon era is truly underway. He's already starting to transform this Sharks side into one that looks like it is going to be one of the top sides for years to come. Their Juniors, similar to what the Panthers did, the Sharks developed a great Junior side. They've been working on them, bringing them up through the grades. Guys like Sione Katoa, Ronaldo Mulitalo, Teague Wilton, Britton Nakora, Blake Braley. The list just goes on and on and on. And the Sharks now... They're starting to get that transition right between developing these young kids and turning them into consistent NRL-ready stars. So Craig Fitzgibbon, things looking really bright at the Sharks. Seyfried Teleki, talk about him every single week. Seven tackle breaks, Warriors just could not fucking get a hold on him. Nico Hines with two try assists and a try. He was all over the park, very much involved. For the Warriors, Wade Egan had to get through heaps of tackles. Missed a few, but made 52 tackles, so plenty of work from Wade Egan. In terms of running meters, Telekai with 193 meters topped the count, and Teague Wilton with two line breaks. So sharks all over the statistics. And for the Warriors' halves, here's a statistic. 11 missed tackles between the halves. So that is definitely an area that needs improving. They were clearly targeted, and they didn't step up to the mark. So Warriors' halves letting the team down there. You're supposed to be directing the team to a win against an undermanned squad, not making a heap of errors and missing tackles. As for Matt Lodge, look, he ran for plenty of meters, but also missed some tackles, made some errors. We're paying him a hell of a lot of money, or at least considering what Brisbane are probably forking out to still pay him as well. So Matt Lodge, actually one of the highest paid NRL players in the comp. So it would be nice if he started to play like it. I know he can't do it all on his own, but he's making a hell of a lot of errors, and that's not helping from an experienced player who's supposed to be one of our marquee players. You've got the young centers who are struggling. Rocco Berry made plenty of poor defensive reads, still definitely needs time to develop. Does look like he's gonna be a quality part of our team going forward, but right now he just doesn't seem up to it. They're only young, we shouldn't be relying on these two young centers week in, week out in first grade, but at the moment, That is the scenario at the Warriors, especially with Jesse Arthurs out for a month. So these young centers, they need time to develop, but they're going to have to just learn on the go. Learn on the fly and develop as they go in first grade. And their next chance to do so is going to be Magic Round up against the Rabbitohs. A winnable game for the Warriors, but after what I just saw, like, fuck, Rabbitohs are going to have to go down to like 10 men for us to beat them, as you can tell. A little bit salty, just annoyed. How do you lose... Like, I wouldn't have been annoyed if we lost to the Sharks 13 on 13, that's what I predicted, but 13 on 12, be better Warriors, come on, be better. As for the Sharks, they are taking on the Raiders, who beat them in round one this year, but this time around, Sharks looking a hell of a lot better. They look like they've got their combinations right, and they should be a handful for the Canberra side. So, some really good games coming up in Magic Round. I will jump into my preview during the week, but now it's time to hand out the four little, I guess, awards, you'd call them, and at the very end, I will take a look at the competition ladder. So let's first start with the X Factor player of the round. Plenty of quality stars putting their hands up for this one, but look, after much deliberation, I'm gonna be taking Adam Reynolds from the Brisbane Broncos. From the Brisbane Broncos, not the Rabbitohs, who he single-handedly tore apart in the halfback position. That is exactly what the Rabbitohs seem to be missing as well. X Factor, Rabidos without Adam Reynolds, not the same team. Adam Reynolds and the Broncos, well now the Brisbane Broncos look like a completely different team, riding now three straight wins. So Adam Reynolds, he's the X Factor player, scored a try against Souths, had a try assist, was involved in everything and stepped up as the leader, as the captain and is showing just why the Broncos were willing to pay the big bucks for him. So Adam Reynolds, he is my X Factor player of the round. A lot of players, I mean, the Eels game threw up plenty of can- candidates. Nico Hines was up there, but I just couldn't go past Adam Reynolds to have the narrative be solely focused around you all week and then to come out and perform like that. That shows you why Adam Reynolds is an X-Factor player. And on this occasion for round nine, I have gone Adam Reynolds as my X-Factor player of the round. As for my Rising Star nomination, well, last week we saw I nominated Dejan Arsi from the Warriors, this week, Ben Trebojevic. There is a third Trebojevic brother and he looks equally as freakish as the other two, scoring a double. And look, they threw him in the centres where he had trained in the preseason, but very limited NRL involvement to date. And then he gets thrown in that centre position, absolutely kills it morgan harper may find it hard to break back into that side it looks like ben trabojevic may have at least one hand on that center jersey so that performance indicates to me that trabojevic is here to stay in the centers and he is my rising star nomination if he is even a fraction as good as his brothers well then this is a rising star to not miss so ben trabojevic my rising star of round nine very very impressed with how he looked in that center position as for my Tough Stuff Award, the first one given out, I have gone ju- junior? junior Paolo. I think that's how he wants it to be pronounced. Junior Paolo was outstanding, ran for over 200 meters, led from the front in every respect up against an undefeated Panthers side. And look, other players, they did put in some really tough performances, but I cannot go past Junior Paolo and his effort to lay the platform. For the biggest win of the season and he is a co-captain so that is the definition of a captain's knock round nine the tough stuff award going to junior Paolo. that leaves the cause for concern and if you heard me talk about the warriors before they are right in there but i'm actually gonna go with the gold coast titans as I keep mentioning, their defense is a massive issue. That doesn't seem to be changing. In fact, it seems to be getting worse. So for the Titans, this side that they were supposed to explode on the scene this year, premierships in their future. They had this marquee signing last year of David Fafida, Tino Fosua-Malawe on top of names like AJ Brimson and Milwaukee Foduaika, but they just... Cannot put it together and their defense is my main concern. That is the real cause for concern. It is specifically their defense because they are not going to be a final side if they continue to defend the way that they have this season. In fact, they'll actually be a bottom four side. So I had the Titans in my season preview sneaking into eighth spot. I thought they were still capable of making the finals. I rate Justin Holbrook highly as a coach. Really liked the idea of AJ Brimson in the halves, but... Now, not so much. Very concerned about the Titans, at least for this season. They don't even know what they're going to be doing with them. Like, biggest marquee player in David Vifida. Tino Malawi. well, he's a young captain. It can't really fault him, but the team itself, just very, very poor defense. So my cause for concern in round nine, the Gold Coast Titans. And, yeah, let's, let me just quickly recap that. Expect a player of the round, Adam Reynolds from the Broncos. Tough stuff to Junior Paulo or Paolo. Cause for concern, the Gold Coast Titans. And my rising star nomination to Ben Trebojevic. Gee whiz, just what we need. Another Trebojevic tearing the league apart. So, look, that is all from round nine, NRL Power. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, then make sure to follow us on Instagram at notjustthesportsreport.com. And follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see as soon as my preview for Magic Round. And then it's going to be a big one. You'll be able to see as soon as that has been released. But before I go, let's just quickly scan over the ladder after nine rounds of action. Storm sitting first. Panthers second. So gee whiz, that makes the game next week a very, very big one. We've got the Cowboys. Who the hell thought this was going to happen after nine rounds? Cowboys sitting in third place, Sharks not far behind in fourth, Eels fifth, uh, Roosters sorry, not the Sharks, Roosters are in sixth, so they're moving up and I'd expect them to click together, or click things together around finals time, Seagulls beat the Tigers, beat another top eight, uh, bottom eight side, so now they're in the top eight, but yeah, I'll, I'll believe in them when I see them beat a semi-decent or relevant side when it comes to actually, like, premiership contention or finals football. But the Brisbane Broncos, wow, 8th place. They are working really hard and look like a totally different side to the one that over the last couple of years has just fell apart toward the back end of games, been looking for experience, been looking for leaders. Now they have that in the likes of Adam Reynolds and Kurt Capewell, who wasn't playing on the weekend, Broncos in 8th. Very, very nice from the Broncos. In ninth, we have the Rabideaus, followed by Warriors in 10th. So, Rabideaus and Warriors up against each other next weekend. 9th versus 10th. Who wants to be a top 8 side this year? And who's just happy to flounder in the bottom 8? Uh, yeah, probably a dangerous game for the Warriors, to be honest, that one, after what I just saw this weekend. In 11th spot, we have the Dragons raiders moving on up in the world all the way up to 12th the tigers they remain in 13th position is a i mean better than 16th probably not as good as 9th the gold coast titans as i said the cause for concern they continue to stall this season sitting down 14th with only two teams below them that is the 15th place bulldogs and the last place knights who yeah i've already outlined my concerns around that club so Now we have a better idea on which sides are bottom four sides, which are kind of top four contenders. And then there's that whole log jam in the middle of everyone else just trying to make finals. So We've seen the ladder there. Magic Round is coming up, which is going to be a huge indicator on where things go from here as we move from the first third of the season into the second. And I can't wait. It is going to be the round of the regular season. Everyone in Brisbane, except myself, I have to go to work, but I will be watching all the games. I will be covering them all for NRL Power as well, a special magic round edition. But until the NRL preview, round 10 comes out on Wednesday. That is all for today. So I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for your support and have a great day.